Welcome to the Strong Talk Podcast with Tom Reaney and myself, Pete Nelson. The aim of the podcast is to share our candid and uncensored conversations on all things fitness, health, business, and leadership. Through these conversations, we hope you take away a couple things to enhance your life and simply be better. Welcome to the talk. Hello, friends and family. Welcome, welcome to my back. nightmare. Black flag. But no, welcome to my nightmare was a TV show back in the late seventies, early eighties. Sounds terrible. Uh, and it was uh, Alice Cooper. Cooper. It was Alice the Cooper's Coops. Welcome to My Nightmare used to be like a late night TV show. Yeah, and it was like um, sort of like a Saturday Night Live, but like with like deep, dark, scary themes. And then he was so like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, so nice. that's a show I always wish. Uh, We'll come I back. I would have, no, I would have seen if it was Alice Cooper. He was to have an awesome show. It was like his shtick was like a big stage presence. I didn't know that Alice and you went way back. Yeah, big Alice Cooper guy. Yeah. El so, Gonquin. What's that from? <laughs> um, what is that movie? Uh, it was a Saturday Night Live skit. Wayne's World. Wayne? Wayne's World. That's who they go and see is Alice Cooper. That Alice is Cooper right. Alice Cooper is like I remember super that. intelligent and smart and... When yeah. I was a kid, I would go around my my home, hopping around like a bunny, like like uh, oh, Garth did from uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> that was my thing. That was you my mean thing. Foxy, Foxy the, the, from oh, Foxy Lady, yeah, <laughs> Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. <laughs> so good, so or good. Or like a bunny. Or like a bunny. Well, that's what I thought it was. Are we recording? Yeah, it's oh, oh, all right. <laughs> well, maybe we should cut all that out. <laughs> well, hey guys. Uh, we are in the middle of our open registration, and right now I believe we're at around 25 or so people after a couple of days, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, that's Considering solid. we haven't had a big push yet. Uh, so those who have registered, thank you so much. For those who haven't registered, make sure you get on it because this open season is going to be fantastic. We are going to be putting a, uh, a large amount of the donations and proceeds, or I shouldn't say large amount of donations, all the donations, but the majority of the uh, ticket registration uh, dollar amount is going to be going towards project and halt and alzheimer's uh in support of our good friend paul wenzel's initiative as his family was impacted from alzheimer's uh, on both sides from his grandparents i know that you know sp uh, speaking personally i was also affected both my uh, my grandma Paige's grandma both had it real bad dementiated the whole deal um so for those who haven't had that impact in your family um make sure that you look into just how that's impacted uh you know not just your friends' families, but just how that's kind of uh, been a been a big deal in people's uh, livelihood. So, um, that being said, guys, the Black Flag Open in on April twenty fourth, I believe, or twenty first, is the start of the three week open sequence. Every single week for three weeks, there's a new open workout, and we're going to be hitting it together as a big community during classes on that Friday, and then that following, uh, or I should say that final week of open, we are doing our Super Friday event, which is going to be absolute bonanzas, as we've said in the past, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, sign up. Boom. Done. Say no more. So, guys, let's move on. I want to talk about something that people actually want to hear. Oh, and what is that? So we've talked about how we can get stronger yes. in the past. We've also talked about how we can develop some aerobic fitness. But, we we've, ne but we've never really talked about skill acquisition. 
And one of the things with the open coming up, oh. everybody wants to get a bar muscle up. Everybody wants to get a ring muscle up. Everybody wants to do a handstand push up. How do we go about that? And is it even important? Oh, that's right? the question. Right? That's the question. So, but, but before we start, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up good friends of the program, uh, Eric Gartlitz and Dave Nahoda. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were uh, they were very disappointed they have not been mentioned yet on the podcast. So I, I figured uh, I would bring them up uh, because I mean if we're talking about skill acquisition. I mean those two guys, you know, they got the as skillful as it gets. Yeah, man, it's, they're they're all skill. All they have day a quiver long. of skills. No, no strength, no endurance, but all skill. <laughs> Uh, no. So I just wanted to mention those guys, but yeah, no skill, skill acquisition, I think is important as we roll into the open. However, uh, before we even start talking about that, or it's the right, the right segue is the idea that is it important. Right. Um, you know, I guess it comes down to, uh, and I know I've talked about this quite a bit, uh, personally on some of, some of my own platforms, but this idea of like, what what are you trying to accomplish? Like what, right. what what's is the important? objective? Yeah. Or I did the, I did the podcast by myself and we talked about like what is the objective? Like what are we trying to accomplish with our fitness? And you know, if if the juice isn't worth the squeeze per se of going upside down in a handstand push up, well, then, you know, I I don't know if, if you need to worry about skill acquisition uh to that extent. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um yeah, if if you want to be successful in the open, uh, uh, you know, it certainly behooves you to be able to do certain skills. Right. So you look at the goal, you look at the goal portion of it. Is your goal to just be a part of the team this year with the Black Flag <laughs> Open or if you're at a different gym as part of their Open, uh, is, is, is your goal to just have fun or do you actually want to be able to submit a good score? So let's go ahead. If, if your goal is to be able to submit a good score, what are a couple things that we could be doing right now to best pre- uh, best prepare ourselves for the open when it comes here in a few weeks. And the first thing I think of when we're doing our, you know, bar muscle up and ring muscle up work is you have to look at the programming and Jim's done a great job here in his first week of program at black flag of breaking down what it takes to be able to perform bar muscle up and then also look at the positions. And if, if I know I've said bar muscle up a couple times now, but when you look at the bar muscle up, in essence, what we're doing is we're combining the gymnastic phase of the movement of the hollow and arch, and then what we're doing is we're combining a horizontal pull. A lot of people think that a bar muscle up is more so of a vertical pull where we're doing a pull up, but rather when you look at the position, it's actually more of what we call a horizontal pull. It would be a very much similar pull like a ring row, right? Where, where all of a sudden our body is positioned at the bar to where we're pulling toward the rib cage, pulling toward the belly, right? So all of a sudden what we're looking at is now it's much more Latin upper back, uh, less bicep. And then when you go into the transition phase, we're looking at a big pike. That pike phase happens when we're doing a lot of our uh, lower to the ground sequences on the ring. So if if you're looking to improve your bar muscle up, this is the, my recommendation. Hollow and arch, work on a belly to bar muscle up, perform a few ring dips on the, uh, uh, be able to perform ring dips on the ground, and then be able to transition those by grabbing a box and working on your transition drills. So that means that you'd be laying back in your bar muscle up phase when you're jumping off the box. You lean back, you pull to your belly, and then you pike over to where your body is now actually rested on the bar and then you press out of the dip. Too many people try to do a front uprise. Again, if we pull the belly and then we transition over to the bottom of the dip and then press, that's where you're going to have your best success. So if you're not already breaking down that uh, bar muscle up and trying to phase it into a drill for yourself, because if, if you haven't been able to uh, perform bar muscle up yet, definitely recommend doing that. 
The same thing could be said for the total bar. I think that especially I know the time that you've seen it so many times when, when we get people from other gyms coming in when they when they try to do a total bar. Again, the foundation phase of the hollow and arch. When you go up to jump on the bar, we press back into the hollow, we snap through into the arch, and then we head it into our total bar phase. When often too you know, too often we see somebody jump up on the bar, arch, and then all of a sudden they do the swing and then kick the bar. Swing right. and then they're not able to maintain any maintain any sort of rhythm and cadence to it. So that's something that for the toe to bar, if we're looking to progress in the toe to bar, we always want to make sure again the that initiation of the toe to bar starts and is rooted through the hollow. You go into your arch, and then we make sure that as we're pressing back into that next hollow position, we're utilizing the lat, we're pressing away, the knees come to the elbow, and then we're kicking to the top. That's big. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. So the first thing is uh, for your listeners at home, Pete is actually like mimicking the movements as the he's talking. Doing to me. the mime. <laughs> he's, he's actually going through the the hollowed arch as we're sitting here talking, uh, which is uh, hilarious. But no, I, I agree with everything you said. But I think even taking a step further than that, if, uh, step back from that, is the idea that we have to get people. or People have to understand that there's a lot more than just jumping on the bar and just swinging and getting going to it. Um, one of the things that I think about that a lot of people really struggle with you know picking up a barbell from the ground right understanding your your body's you know being aware of how your body's moving in space in relation to that barbell and in relation to the ground i think is 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 a concept that is is fairly easy for people to comprehend because we're always grounded but when people have a tendency or when they get up on the rig and they're swinging from the rig all of that awareness kind of goes away Mm -hmm. so i think there's a whether you want to call it motor control whether you want to call it you know neural control whether you want to call it motor patterning whatever you want to call it i think there's a certain level of comfortability that people have to get when they get up there um, because it's a whole new feeling of swinging back and forth on the rig and getting that awareness, that kinesthetic awareness, that that body awareness, how we're moving through space, a space I think is critically important for people to kind of get that feel. Mm-hmm. And you see it quite a bit. One of the things that I would add to the sequence that you were talking about is this idea of getting people to understand how to control their and move with their upper back and not mm-hmm. with their arms, right? Like how do how do we use our lats? Um, I know I've had great success with a lot of just hanging uh, straight arm lat pushbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, that I see all the time when you talk about bar muscle-ups, you talk about toes to bar, ring muscle-ups, is people have a tendency they want to rush through the movements, right? Mm-hmm. But you're, the fact of the matter is, in order to, now you might be able to rush through the movements once or twice, but <clears throat> when you do that, generally you're inefficient. Right. The, the the more the greater the inefficiency, the higher the energy expenditure. Right. So when you talk about these things and being successful in the open, it's not just the ability to do these skills. Right. It's the ability to do these skills with some capacity or doing these skills with capacity while under fatigue mm-hmm. because you're taxed from another movement. And oftentimes, what CrossFit does, and they do a good job of it, is they will tax muscle groups with similar movement patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know if, if you have a lot of um, uh, I don't know. They'll 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 couple say hang power cleans with toes to bar, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll tack your tax your grip and tax your pulling strength, tax your lats. So tax the trap. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, all of those things. So you know, understanding too, like how can we develop capacity with those things? Really, at the end of the day, when you talk about CrossFit, especially, it's all about minimizing energy expenditure, right? And that is directly related, not directly related. I mean, certainly you need to train and get more fit from from a metabolic perspective, but I also think. 
um, capacity and a lot of our energy expenditure is related to efficiency and, and how efficient that we're moving. Um, and we've and, seen it, we've seen it all the time, right? Yeah. Like you know, people can do one or two muscle ups and then they get into their second round of work and it's shot because they're not very efficient. Um, they're just using momentum to throw themselves up over the bar or the rings or whatever the case may be. Um, so getting people to understand that there is a kinesthetic or a movement awareness component to, to what they're doing. Yeah, and, and you're talking about as uh, fatigue sets, and especially when it comes to gym- gymnastics, I think that's also a direct reflection to your aerobic fitness, right? Oh, it like, is. Like, is somebody you'll be able to 100% tell if somebody has a sufficient aerobic foundation whether or not if they're the first round hero or not right sure. so it's so that's almost twofold right like what is their actual lung capacity what is their aerobic capacity but at the same time right how is their pacing strategy out of the gate when you look at the open it's basically just one big pacing strategy i i uh, i would i would bet to say that majority of your open workouts that are longer than 10 minutes and if it's a, something that's gymnastic based outside of maybe a total bar, you could probably perform all those reps for singles and still be able to perform a great score, put out a great score uh, in the open. For example, you look at, um, there was a, even though this was a seven minute workout from maybe four years ago where it was 10 power snatch to 75 pounds, three bar muscle ups. I think for the majority of people, they see that and they're like, all right, we're going on broken on both because the rep schemes are so small. That's designed that way. Oh, it's a trap, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah. if but if we strategize the uh, and if you strategize the right way, maybe you perform five and five uh, with a five to ten second rest in between your uh, power snatches, and then you roll into three fast singles on your uh, um, bar muscle ups. All of a sudden, now it's sustainable, right? We're not going to fatigue after three rounds. Maybe we'll delay that fatigue to five and six, right? <laughs> and I think that. Uh, Again, that's that's a sign of uh, experience. Obviously, you see it all the time. I think we have we have one of the best athletes in the world at uh, uh, pacing, and Rick Stevenson. Uh, he's a master's athlete between fifty to fifty-five, and he's been doing it for about twelve years. And talk about a guy who's learned, but at the same time, if he never looks like he's in a rush. No. And when you look at any sort of open workout, again, he's able to demonstrate capacity because he knows how to pace correctly. So that's a big piece of advice when it comes to any, any sort of a, a high skill movement in the open is even if it might be a bar muscle, but ring muscle up and there's lower reps, maybe we break them up earlier, but let's take like two steps back. We were talking about what if, what if your goal again, that, or we were talking about how your goal of, of completing the open and putting in a good score would, in would, would make you have to perform some of these movements. But what if like on the opposite side of the spectrum, we just want to feel good, still be able to uh, do stuff with the team and have a good time. I think that what we need to look at is, is doing a handstand pushup is doing a, a ring muscle is doing a bar muscle up worth our time and worth our effort where we may be able to break it down into a similar movement pattern that is less, uh, less, less intense, maybe less dynamic in nature on the shoulder, especially when you look at the majority of people that may walk through an average CrossFit gym of 40 to 45, 50 years old is doing a bar muscle up their best use of time. And that's something to consider, right? Are we able to progress these people in a different capacity through maybe say bent over rows or ring row, a push up, a ring dip, something that may be less, um, less intense, less, uh, dynamic, less, um, uh, I'm, I'm losing my, uh, um, I would I would say like the big thing is for that person, is there a way that we could progress them? Yeah. So the way, the way I always look at that is, you know, athletes have to, or especially new athletes, like, look, if you're, if you're, if you're a seasoned uh, CrossFit athlete and, you know, 
Um, and you have the, the, the capacity necessary to be able to handle those type of dynamic contractions or fast, hard contractions. But I think people have to earn the right to be able to contract dynamically, right? People have to earn the right through dedicated strength work to be able to do or even attempt a muscle up or, or, uh, or even a kipping pull up or a kipping pull up. Yeah. Like so, what's the prerequisite? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, people have to build and again, it goes all the way back to, okay, so, uh, can we, hammer the fundamentals of the the skill itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like when people are doing pull-ups, are they able to use their shoulder blades the right way? Is the mm-hmm. sequencing right? Is it shoulder blade to 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 humeral to to um, radius? You know, right? Is, is it going from our upper back into our wrist and not vice mm-hmm. versa? They're not loading just in their bicep and just pulling on with bicep. Those types mm-hmm. of things. And then building off of that, like once they've done that, then we can start allowing them to start doing some, say, pull-ups maybe with a band mm-hmm. or doing some eccentric loader pull-ups to build up the strength and the endurance to be able to start kipping because really with not really uh yeah i mean 100 you know people will get hurt on the the eccentric portion say of a mm-hmm. kipping pull-up or a butterfly pull-up um or of a muscle up right it's it's not them pulling up it's how can they decelerate right how can they absorb the force as they're dropping back down right the eccentric where, phase right the eccentric phase, pay, yeah. right so when the muscle's getting longer what is their their muscles ability to absorb that force and then redirect it back in the direction going up and for most most people, um, they, they, especially again when they're new, they don't have the ability to do it. And it was one of the big knocks on CrossFit early on is that you have all these people trying to butterfly and swing on, you know, muscle ups and all those kind of mm-hmm. things. And then we'd have to have all these recurring shoulder issues because of that fact. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, we were so adamant here about instituting kind of our, our pull-ups, our pull-up principles, can right? You, that, can you uh, go over that real quick? That, that yeah, I mean, it's in? just this idea, again, that you have to earn the right to be able to start kipping, earn the right to start butterflying. So, you know, we, we here at Black Flag Athletics, once every four to six weeks, we just say, all right, here we go, max strict pull-ups. Um, if you can do eight strict uh, pull-ups, dead hang, then you have now earned the right to start kipping, right? If you can do 12 strict pull-ups, then you can start butterflying. If you can do 15, or uh, you can start kipping and you start butterflying. If you can do 15, then you can start attempting, you know, bar muscle-ups and getting up over over the top of that bar. But again, I think, you know, we live in, in a world where everything, everybody's so... They just want it done yesterday that nobody mm-hmm. wants to take the time to progress into things. But what we found is people have been frustrating with us, frustrated with us, certainly. But at the same time, our incidence of, of shoulder you know, issues has, has dropped dramatically as a result. And to be honest with you, most people, if we force them, say, to slow down on a work, uh, workout that has pull-ups in it and they have to do foot-on-the-floor strict pull-ups or eccentric loaded pull-ups, um, they're healthier and in the long run they get stronger. And then when they are ready to transition into kipping and butterflies and muscle ups, they're way uh, more efficient at it. Um, they uh, have decreased their chances to get hurt. Mm-hmm. All of those things that you really want for the benefits of a long term program. But to your to your original point, in my opinion and in my experience, like for a large majority of for the entire population. The entire population. If our goal is quality of life and longevity, muscle-ups do not fall in that category. Handstand push-ups do not fall into that category. Handstand walks do not fall into that category. I don't even know if pistols fall into that category, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, I do I do think you need to have 
you know, the ability to to get into unilateral ankle and knee and hip flexion to a certain extent. Um, but with the foot out in front of you, I don't know. Right? Are you better off doing like a, a shrimp squat where you're you're mm-hmm. stepping back or just reverse lunges from that mm-hmm. perspective? Split squat, you split yeah, squats, yeah, any of up. those types of things. So I don't know. Um, now, certainly, if your goal is, and it, it's great to have goals, and we need goals, and if your goal is to do muscle ups, and, and those are all admirable goals and things that I think, if that's what you want to do, go after it. But <clears throat> to sell the idea that this is, you know, you need these things to have a high quality of life. I think is is not fair to your athlete base. So I think it's right. important to know what your athletes want, um, and be able to meet them where they're at and individualize it, it for exactly, them. Exactly, right? exactly. And it's 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 one of the things that I love about the program design we have now at Black Flag is that we have kind of these tiered structures. And it's mm-hmm. like, but even on a day to day basis, it's like, uh, well, you know what, my my shoulders are still a little worn out from Monday's workout, and we have wall walks today. You know what, I'm not going to do wall walks. I'm going to do a Z press, and I'm still getting some shoulder work. Or I'm going to do some push ups, and I'm still getting. Some, some, you know, anterior delt work and chest work, you know, those are all very valuable, valuable things. And, and you have to stay true to what your mission is as a coach or as a fitness professional is to, to help your athletes understand that it's not necessarily about being able to do muscle ups today if it's going to create a negative impact tomorrow. Correct. Right. And, and you see that all the time in the CrossFit yeah, world. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. people want to just people want a chicken wing over the top of the bar on a bar muscle up, but then don't realize that they're going to have a slap tear the next day. Exactly. Right? Yeah, when yeah, they, when yeah. they wake up. So this podcast is powered by Black Flag Athletics, home of Black Flag Fitness, Black Flag Compete, and Black Flag Remote Programming. Everything and anything you would want for your fitness needs, Black Flag is the place for it. You can check us out, find any information you want at blackflagfam.com. That's blackflagfam.com. I think uh, when you strip down, like what, when you look at like, let's say a bar muscle up, that was something that we had programmed today, then we tiered it out, right? To where as prescribed, great, you could hit it. But then uh, then you look at the levels, right? All of a sudden it wasn't uh, a bar muscle up for the next variation. We had an inverted row and a push up, or we had a ring row and a dip. And so there was variations thereof. In your mind, if you're trying to progress somebody from like the very simple, like basic phase of a bar muscle up and you want to progress them, and in fact, they do want to try to get one, what way would you be able to, what way would you program their strength work for them to get the requisite fitness to be able to perform a bar muscle up? Me personally? Um, I mean, it's, it would be a long sequence. I think, I think the first thing, uh, you'd have to build the requisite strength. So it would be a lot of strict pull-ups, a lot of strict, uh, inverted rows. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as well as a lot of pressing, pressing from different positions like push-ups, um, Russian push-ups, things where we're, we're moving the body in space and then pressing out of it to understand both aspects of it. Um, a lot of straight arm lat pushbacks. Again, I talked about that. I think that is probably arguably the most valuable thing anybody can do Mm -hmm. because the biggest thing when we start transitioning from the strength aspect and start moving into the awareness or the movement aspect because to me right they're two different things right so we have to build the strength mm-hmm. then we have to create the body awareness for the movement and then we can put it all together what happens more often than not is people try and start the movement without building the strength right mm-hmm. so we need to reverse that order so we go strength first you build the strength through different positions and it's real simple you just break down the movement right you take a step back you look at a bar muscle up and you go okay we have this phase we have this phase we have this phase and we have this phase so let's go through those phases uh on their own mm-hmm. right um and then when we start introducing the skill 
you know, then that's when you can start doing some of maybe the the the, the box jump over work or the mm-hmm. banded bar muscle up. But I, again, I think if if you s- just let them start swinging early, they start pulling too early. They slam their chest in the bar. They can't understand why because they they're not creating space. They're not letting their hips rise. All of these things go into it. So yeah, I mean, strength first, skill acquisition second, then putting it all together. And then, so phase four, then would be trying to build capacity mm-hmm. with that, right? So doing, you know, more bar muscle ups. And then step five would be, you know, introducing mixed modal, yeah. right? Where you're doing, you know, a, a Metcon, so to speak, and, and trying to build up there. So it would be a five-phase process. But the hard part about that is that five-phase five phase process would take 12 months. Right. Like, right. And people don't some, want to hear for, that. Yeah. For yeah. somebody who's a newbie and has no experience, um... You know, there, there's somebody that I'm working with who, you know, in all regards, I, I would consider a uh, near elite CrossFit athlete, at least from a team perspective. And, you know, that particular person struggles with some of the gymnastic skill components. And so, you know, about 10, 10 months ago, we started this, we took all the steps back and we started this progression. And now we're starting to see the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. And this person has been tremendously patient with that. But that's what you need. Um, and there's certain people that, you know, just have the requisite strength from years of training. Whatever. But I'm saying if you are a newbie off the street, you don't have any pulling capacity, you don't have any pressing capacity, um, you don't have any body awareness, again, hanging off the rig like we were talking about, which is an entirely different thing. You know, it's one thing to do a ground-based movement and have movement awareness there because we do it all our lives. Mm-hmm. When you jump up on a rig, all of that awareness goes away. Right. Um, so, you know, just, just learning all of those skills, but yeah, that's how I would do it. It'd be a long-term endeavor. Um, and you know, you try to explain it to people that it is a long-term endeavor. I mean, I know people that have been doing, you know, trying to get muscle ups for three, four years and you know, then finally one day it just clicks, you know? Um, so you just need to stay patient with the process. Yeah. And you have to also look at the mobility and like the stability of of these joints too, right? Because when you, when you look at the average person, majority of people can't straighten out their arm directly overhead, like bicep to ear, rib cage down without their lower back extending. Right. But how, if, if you were just standing, reach up overhead and you can't touch your uh, thumbs together and your elbows aren't straight. There's no reason why you should be doing tipping pull-ups, yeah. right? Because all of a sudden you're just cranking on the shoulder. You're not going to develop mo- mobility by doing how by by just kipping in the rig. What we need to do is again, like you were saying, get on the ground and start start doing some mobility. Get into these phases, like get into positions that you'll see in some of these movements. But do some more like static holds, coming in, breathing in, breathing out through the ranges of motion, and develop some actual uh, range of motion in these and you know in the, in the joints that you need to. Yeah. And then from there, start to stabilize it, right? Yeah. The, the, the stability portion, in my opinion, is one of the biggest things, especially when it comes to gymnastics, because there's so much wear and tear in the shoulder, yeah. so much wear and tear. And uh, again, the easiest thing that a CrossFit coach could do is just be like, eh, screw all that. Go ahead and get on the barbell. Or sorry, I shouldn't say barbell. Go get on the pull-up bar. Yeah, one of the things that I dislike very much about kind of the, the functional fitness culture is the band. Yeah. Banded everything has sort of become the norm, and that's, quote, the scale. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, in my honest opinion, I just think that's bullshit. I think right. you need to look on, a, on an athlete-by-athlete athlete basis and just to arbitrarily say, okay, well, the scale is just go get a band and flail up and down on the, you know, mm-hmm. A, you're probably not getting the intended stimulus of the workout by doing right. that. You're not building anything from a skill acquisition or capacity perspective. Um, there, there's a lot of things there. Now, I'm not saying there's not times where a band doesn't make sense and, and, and those kind of pull-ups or, you know, assisted work doesn't make sense, but just to put that band-aid on everything is, is 
you're you're doing a disservice to your athlete base just by saying, okay, the scale today is everybody's yeah, doing banded pull-ups, yeah. right? Yeah, they would probably benefit from more strict work, tempo work, and you're good. Yeah. We, we brought up earlier the eccentric phase, the lengthening phase of some of these movements. Like, in my opinion, you need to spend more time there under tempo uh, with less resistance, right? So, like, maybe instead of just going, like, full-on body weight, you put your feet on the ground or f- foot up on a box and start doing some tempo uh, negative work or eccentric work on a pull-up. Like, that's yeah. a great, great way to be able to develop the the strength that you're, that you're absolutely for. absolutely um, the isometric phase of the movement where we're going up and just pausing man like that's huge yeah so uh pulling and, and when you look at a lot of the movements that we were talking about today a lot of it comes back to upper back strength it's yeah. not it's not just shoulder strength it's upper back strength developing a strong upper back uh so if you're looking to get stronger gymnastically or in just for life in general a stronger upper back means a stronger you and a healthier you absolutely so really prioritize that you got anything else to add? I was told as a young man by strength coach that the back is for go and the front is for show. Oh, man. So the, I you like know, that if lot. you want to see a strong, powerful athlete, always look at them from the back and not from the front. If they have abs, it doesn't mean anything. God, I love that. Let's sign off on that one. There right you there. go. That Boom. was great. Guys, thank you so much again for listening to the Strong Talk podcast. We hope that you pulled away a couple things of value on this one today in regards to your gymnastics. If you're performing the open, great. If you're not, make sure you sign up uh, with the Black Flag Open. We are accepting donations, even if you don't want to participate, to be able to contribute toward the End Alzheimer's Project. So if you're looking forward to doing that, make sure you jump on that ASAP, and we will see you next time. Out. Thank you for tuning in to the Strong Talk Podcast. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. This allows us to share our conversations with more people and positively influence our fitness communities. If there are any topics you want to hear from us, drop us a message on Instagram at Coach Tom Rini, that's R-I-N-I, or at Peter Nelson II, and we can take a deep dive. Again, thank you for listening and continue to be better.